Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode nine of Sonic Inducers. My name is Jesse, and with me, as always, is uh, Garth Algar. I mean, sorry, what's your name again? Nick what? LaPointe? That's yes. right, Nick LaPointe. That's right. And today's episode, we're very excited. We have our very first guest joining us, uh, someone who I've known for a while, not just uh, in the professional sense, but we've, be- we've become great friends, uh, Henry Alonzo from Adarga Entertainment. Uh, he is the, the chief creative <laughs> officer. Uh, and uh, they manage a lot of Latin and faith-based artists um, and do great things for the industry. Uh, we actually hung out in Nashville. What mm-hmm. was it, two weeks ago already? Wow. Yes. Time yeah, flies. So, so, Henry, I could sing your accolades all day. You're a great dude. But uh, for those of uh, you out there that might not know Henry, um, you should. Do you want to give us a little uh, a bit about yourself and, and the company and, and where you guys are, where you've been, and where you're going? Thank you. Thank you, Jesse. Thank you, Nick. Uh, yeah, so Adarga Entertainment Group is primarily based out of here, LA, um, California, but our CEO actually lives in the DC area and we're kind of all over the place. We are a primarily remote company. We, we have people working for us in Colombia and Peru, Guatemala, uh, Tampa, Florida, Seattle, Washington. We're kind of all over the place. My goodness. Uh, we are uh, traditionally what's called a label services company. Um, some people have a bad connotation with that label we we uh, with that name we don't mind we just provide a support um usually a traditional record label support for independent artists that's how we got started in the music industry uh later on we started getting subcontract by labels so we we have become subcontractors by some of the uh, majors uh to help them out with either latin or faith-based divisions as labels have to kind of change their personnel and I also get to teach at Asusu Pacific University, where you guys have actually get, been guest speakers. Uh, and thank you so much for uh, talking to my graduate students about the music industry. So that's a little bit about myself and the company. Yeah, great. Thank you. Yeah, going down to to hang out with your students and, and you and, and talk music business is always really fun. No, uh, that's fun. So, so, yeah, like I mentioned, we hung out in Nashville. It was the, the second, I think, time that we've, we've hung out yes. there. Are my old stomping grounds, um, and a lot of faith-based music uh, comes from there. A lot of labels, a lot of publishers, um, and you gave a great little presentation uh, when we were there. And I'd like for you to maybe share a little bit uh, because I learned a lot, and I just thought it was <laughs> really well done. Um, like what Latin music is, where it comes from, the different types of Latin music, how that ties into the faith-based things you guys are working on. Um, but yeah, if, if you don't mind sharing, because I'm sure a lot of people would would love to know, um, you know, just the, maybe the differences and yeah. and the segment of of the music industry is growing and it's becoming, mm-hmm. um, it, it, from what we're seeing, it's just there's a lot of opportunity there. So I'd love for you yeah. to, to expand on that. Yeah, and I, I think I want to take the the moment to uh, uh, really thank you for the partnership we've had with with Adrib and your parent company and how instrumental. You guys have been to every genre, including uh, Latin and faith-based genres. Um, yeah, so I, I got to speak at a conference there. There was about 50 music publishers from different backgrounds, different uh, companies. The majors were there and the independents were there. And my talk was that crossroads between faith-based music and Latin music. Um, and I, I got started by saying that, you know, I think our first pop Latin exposure was I Love Lucy, you know. When Ricky Ricardo, I can't do the, the the voice that Lucy would say when she would call Ricky, but when Ricky Ricardo would call or what what the, what sing, you know, he would always incorporate Latin instruments, and that's how 
the general market got used to seeing um, someone a little different uh, and would speak with maybe a little bit of a funny accent on TV. Uh, years later, of course, uh, La Bamba, Richie Valens, or Ricardo Valenzuela, who grew up in Pacoima, California, mm-hmm. uh, you know, translated a Mexican jarocho song uh, from, uh, I think it's Veracruz, Mexico, if I'm not mistaken, and he translated it, he added rock, right? Um, talk about an appropriation, right? He, he, he took a, a Mexican traditional song with a very different meter, and he put it into rock and roll, and, and we had the perfect marriage there. Um, years later, you have Carlos Santana, you know, Black Magic Woman, or Oye Como Va. A few years later after that, you have this crazy mesh of, of rock and Latin music with Living La Vida Loca. Living La Vida Loca is really a rock song with, with a few, um, uh, a bit of a fusion of Latin, right? And, um, and there, there's a whole, there's a book actually uh, by Leila Cobo, uh, who runs Latin at Billboard. I've, I've had the pleasure of meeting her uh, in, in events, but I, I don't know her very well, but I admire her career. And she wrote this book on Latin music. Um, and it, it, I believe it's called Decoding Despacito, I, I, if you you know, know. But a lot of the information I'm getting is from what she said there. And I think we go back to Despacito, you know, just a few years ago, that kind of has rebirthed uh, the interest of Latin music in the U.S. It's always been here, especially in the southern part of the United States. Um, I would say there's a lot of Latin music that happens in California and Texas and Florida, maybe Chicago and New York. Uh, but it's always had his hub um, within different parts of the U.S. Um, should I continue with faith-based? I don't know if I've said too much. No, I, this okay. is dude, this is this is your show, man. This is all you. <laughs> really they these, they don't you. want to listen with these two knuckleheads over oh, here. Oh no, no. I, you can tell I'm a university professor. And I'm also a pastor's kid, right? I can talk for hours. Yeah, my poor I, girlfriend I keep, will roll keep, her eyes. Keep, keep, you know, laying down this knowledge on us, man. I, I find yeah. this fascinating. So, and then there are parallels with faith-based music, you know, and um, in the mid nineties, uh, late nineties, when Living a Vida Loca comes out, there is an interest from Nashville labels to invest in Latin and Latin faith-based music. And you see some of the majors, um, some of the major labels like uh, Curb Word uh, or Integrity Music or Maranatha, they invest in, in Latin music. Uh, there was also uh, labels in Mexico and in other places in the, in Latin America that created their own uh, infrastructure for this, this genre. Now, um, I want to say something that might be uncomfortable for some people, but faith-based music and Latin music, uh, it's kind of an orphan genre because it's not completely the Christian gospel genre, and it's not completely Latin, right? They live, we live somewhere in the middle, um, and we take from both. In fact, uh, one of the interesting things about Latin faith-based music, it's because a lot of the artists, and some of the artists that you guys represent at AdRip, have charted on Billboard on, and, and the regular Latin Billboard charts, you know, because there is no faith-based chart for Latin. Um, right. you, you see Amiel San Marcos, you see a Christine DeClario, you see other artists, you know, just chart next to Ricky Martin and Enrique Iglesias and, you know, Shakira. Uh, and guess what? They sell out the same stadiums, you know, the same soccer stadiums in Latin America, 20, 30,000 people, they're selling them out. Um, and it's been an interesting journey to see this growth in the last 10 years. And, and again, thank you for your partnership to, to see this great. industry grow. Of course. I, I, I remember one time you invited me to Emil San Marco's show. Uh, it was backstage. It wow. was down. Do you remember that? At the Microsoft oh. Theater in, in um, LA Live. LA. Yeah. yeah. So I got to meet the band and hang out. And, you know, as someone who was in a touring band, you know, out of a van for, <laughs> for 12 plus years to see that scale of production was, was really cool and just to stand on the side of the stage. But they also played Madison Square Garden, right? Yeah. I mean, that's, that was historic. They sold out the garden. I mean, who does that? Right. I think that's, to me, that's one right. of my career highlights, you know, 
yeah. I get chills knowing that, you know, we were there, we, we were production and it was a work day. It, it was hard to take it in at the moment. But once, you know, the last song came up, we just all hung out next to the stage and, and um, got to see that. And uh, that was historic for our genre because they're an, they're an independent band. You know, their backup is us, right? It's a Darga and Adrev and um, Downtown Dashko. That's their backup. You know, we are their label per se. And, and um, I think we all get to share in that. I love that. I love that. Especially since that's kind of your bread and butter, right? Like you go after, well, I don't say go after, that sounds like you're trying to kill somebody, right. but you, you work with, <laughs> you work with, with artists and writers and bands who are self-made. There's no, mm-hmm. they're doing it all themselves. And I think that's great because you're just adding value to what they already provide. And, mm-hmm. um, I, I, would you be willing to talk may, maybe about the specific, um, subgenre of praise and worship music and, and what that means and, and what that looks like. Is that something that yeah, um, has some totally. legs there as well? So, yeah. So I think um, music that is birth in the, in the church and, and I want to make sure that it's not uh, sometimes when we say Christian, we think of only um, Oh, evangelical or, or something that's popular in, in, in the news, but there are different uh, Christianity. I see it as a spectrum, right? There are different beliefs within Christianity. But uh, praise and worship has been something that has uh, kind of been a part of all the different beliefs, whether you're Presbyterian or Baptist or whatever your background is, right? Or even Catholic. So um, what happens with praise and worship, it's usually music sang in the church. Now, what's interesting is for praise and worship, if we're talking on the publishing side, it's one of the most covered forms of um, of music. Yeah. So. If we're going to cover the Rolling Stones, we're going to do it in English. You know, we're going to do it the way they did it. We want to make sure it sounds like the Stones. If we're going to cover praise and worship, you'll see people covering it in Korean. They'll translate it to Korean. They'll translate it to Spanish or Portuguese or French or whatever language. Um, So on the pop side, it's been such an interesting um, uh, thing because it, it just broadens the revenue streams for publishing. So we're not only tracking English, U.S. based publishing. We're tracking publishing in Argentina, in Colombia, in Mexico, in French Canada, you know, because some people will translate it to French in, in, um, in Canada. And so we're tracking all of this at, at the same time. Um, also, the growth is that it's one of the most sung songs, like personally sung songs in, in, our, in our country is praise and worship and probably close to karaoke. So if you go to karaoke, you know, those are live sung songs. You're, you're actually performing it. And a lot of praise and worship you listen to, but you, a lot of it you also perform, which also brings other royalties that we are allowed to collect because, hey, we thank God for the copyright and for the Constitution that we get to use those laws to make sure that our composers and our publishers are taken care of and our artists are taken care of. Um, and I do believe that there are praise and worship songs that have become anthems. Um, you know, I, I want to give a lot of credit and I want to be careful how I say this, but to the black church, the African-American church has birthed a lot of artists. I mean, you talk about Aretha yeah. Franklin, you even talk about the influences that Elvis had. Um, I think it was Justin Timberlake that also grew up in a Baptist church and uh, Mumford and Sons. I mean, it, the list goes on and on and on, on about and these on. people that were raised in church that grew up singing praise and worship. And now they're singing general market songs. I, know? That's, how, that's how I started playing, man. I played in my <laughs> youth group band. It was great. And I was in a Christian band for, gosh, what, like six years or something like that. And fun fact, fun fact, Mm -hmm. I had an offer to be a praise and worship leader at a small church down in Florida. I didn't get the job. Can you believe that? (laughs) (laughs) This was was another lifetime. (laughs) This was another lifetime. But with that history that I have, you know, um, 
I like, I don't want to say I use it to my advantage, but I know that world. Like I have a tattoo of a Christian band on my arm. So like, (laughs) you know, I have, I, I I lived in that world. I was, I was part of that world. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, Henry, when we met, I mean, it was, you you kind of stumbled onto AdRev and then, Mm -hmm. um, you know, we, this is back when we just started. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so once we started growing, we actually, um, started, uh, building more of a professional relationship to like mm-hmm. really help out because your band, your artists were really taking off. And so we start hanging out and I gave you a little bit of my background and I'm like, yeah. I know, I know what that all means, but um, I wanted to kind of get back to uh, the, the publishing opportunities. Can you explain a little bit? And I'm going to probably say this wrong. So a lot of churches obviously will, will um, use praise and worship music in their services, whether it's every Sunday or Wednesday or both or whatever. Is there publishing money that is, generated from i mean are those considered live performances like how does that work is it yeah. the ccli am i saying that right mm-hmm. yeah so can you that's talk true. a little bit about how that works yeah so um ccli is is, is a great partner uh, because they don't only uh most of these organizations when used correctly it's not just about the money it's about the resources they provide and ccli provides a lot of resources so they'll provide core charts and and uh, and other other things you can integrate into the into the service or into the however you call it based on your faith, right? The, 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 the gathering. Um, yeah. And so CCLI will help to collect uh, revenue from the projection and the printing and uh, other ways that you will uh, use the music that is not yours. It, it belongs to another publisher or another label. And they've been doing this for a long time. And CCLI also has a partnership with HFA and CSAC. They're all part of the same conglomerate of companies uh, they're very professional. And there's others like multi-tracks. They will provide stems. So if you want to do a live performance, but you want to sound like the band, you know, there's a very big band right now called Maverick City that we get to work with on the Latin side. And if you want to sound like Mav, you know, you you want to have stems and usually those stems come through uh, multi-tracks. There's another one called the Loop Community that also provides uh, what they call retrack stems, which is not the actual master, but they will uh, give you something very similar to the master. So um, all of these resources are happening in faith-based music. And again, I just want to emphasize there's a, there's a spectrum of beliefs, right? It's not just uh, what you hear in the news, you know? Uh, and I think that that's also helped out because there are some people out there really doing what we would call the Lord's work, right? Really feeding the homeless, looking out for the, for the widows and for the orphans. And really what I think the, the main um, core of the faith is versus um having fights on facebook and things like that oh my gosh <laughs> which is yeah well uh, what were they calling themselves now uh meta is that what, what they <laughs> i don't need to today? Anymore. yeah really gosh yeah, meta uh, apparently facebook is going to keep their name but the, the the operating company is now called meta which mm, is interesting fascinating. um yeah so what what do you uh, we, there's some events coming up um i know the well first of all let's talk about what the Dove Awards are, because um, those occurred the day after we left uh, hanging mm-hmm. out with you in Nashville. And then the Latin Grammys are are fast upon Coming us as well, mm-hmm. which we're, luckily we're going to have some ad rev representation there, which is exciting because, you know, this is, this is, um, it's not, uh, we've been working together for forever, but I think we're finally starting to throw more resources at, at this genre and at this community. Um, we're excited because we think we're going to start sponsoring some things based on, Henry, your recommendation, which we're very wow. thankful for. Uh, but yeah, give us a little insight into what the Dove Awards are. Yeah, so the Dove Awards are part of what an organization, it's a trade organization called the Gospel Music Association. 
they've been around for a very long time, over uh, 40-something years. Uh, Bertha Nashville, you know, Nashville has uh, different uh, core uh, industries, and one of them is music. Um, so um, they, they've been there for forever, and they celebrate these awards. And think of it like um, the, the top Christian award show. There are other award shows out there, but this has been the one that's been the longest running. Um, it's made up of uh, thousands of core um, uh, people, professionals that work in the industry, and we all get to vote. Uh, full disclosure, I am uh, one of their board members. So, uh, you know, everything I say, I, I say it, it uh, without bias, but you should know that, that that is my point of view. And I, I love working with that organization. Um, so I, I don't think I can't say, uh, um, you know, enough good things about them. That's great. Uh, and the Latin Grammys are, when are they again? They're soon. A couple yeah, weeks. Yeah. In, in November. I hope, I hope to see you guys there. It's to us, it's the most fun we get to have, you know, awesome. it's in Vegas. So that kind of yeah. adds, adds to the fun. Uh, but Latin Grammys are celebrated there. Uh, I I've been a member of the Latin recording Academy for probably 10 years now. And I've, I've served on some of their uh, committees and stuff in the past. Uh, yeah. And we get to celebrate Latin music and there are all kinds of categories just kind of like the faith-based music, you know, we just see it as one thing and there's a bunch of sub subgenres in Latin too. You know, we might think Latin is only Mark Anthony or JLo, but there's a lot of, you know, there's tropical, there's regional Mexican, there's, mm -hmm. um, there's rock and Espanol, which is really big. So um, there are different subgenres that are not just because they're called subgenres doesn't mean they're not big. They're really big genres, uh, but they're, they fall under the Latin umbrella and we get to celebrate that in Las Vegas. That's awesome. I, That's I think great. having so much music out there and so many creative people making it, I mean, you can't help but have all these subgenres because sometimes you can't. It's like it's like when Jethro Tull won uh, Best Heavy Metal Album the first year that that category was available and they were up against Metallica. Do you remember this? Everyone got That's so insane. mad <laughs> because Jethro Tull won against Metallica. So anyway, I mean, I, I think that's great because – you know, with, with the abundance of music out there, the abundance of ways to listen to it and stream it and, and for artists to, you know, record it at home. I mean, Henry, you work with a lot of independent artists, so it's, I hate to speak ill about any labels, but you know, a lot of times you don't need a label anymore. You just got to find the right team. And if Not that team anymore. involves a label, so be it. That's great. Mm -hmm. um, but there's so many opportunities for artists to just do their thing and maybe create a new genre. So I think that's awesome. I wish I could go, I might go next year. Awesome. Um, but Please. I know, uh, I mean, even you've been inviting me for years and I feel like a horrible friend, but, uh, we are having, uh, Oscar, uh, is going to go and luckily he speaks Spanish. So that's probably a benefit mm -hmm. <laughs> for, for us and you. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is great, Henry. I, I, I don't want to, um, end the conversation cause I like to move on to a little bit of the, the, the softer news side of the episode. <laughs> uh, but if you have anything else you want to say or, or what you're ex expecting, you know, in 2022, anything huge, any big news? Thank you. Yeah. Well, you know, we're, we're going to continue, uh, we're continuing to grow. We we're opening up an office in Colombia, uh, especially for publishing and, and one in Mexico city as well. But I actually have a question for you guys. How did you oh, guys boy. feel at Nashville? You know, uh, Nick and, and Jesse, you, you were both there and you know, I, you, you were there and at the, at the, the event and then you were there with yeah. us at the, at the party and you know, I, Please do share. I, I was telling Nick, you know, I used to live in Nashville. So it, that was a long time ago. And every time I go back, it, it's, it's, it's changed. It's growing. So, it, you know, it's not that little small hometown feel that I, that I experience when I'm there. So mm -hmm. sometimes I go back, it's hit or miss. Mm -hmm. um, I still have a lot of friends there, which is great. But this trip that we went on was so quick. I didn't even tell anybody. So if anyone's listening, sorry, I didn't 
like let you know <laughs> I was going to be announced. I was literally there for like less than 36 hours, I think. But I was telling Nick, like that was the most fun Nashville experience I've had in a long uh, time. We had a good Hanging time. out with you guys, going to the, the conference. But then we, <laughs> after um, your after party, Henry, we, we have to do this next time. There's this place down the street. It's like an uh, arcade for adults. Free oh, pinball, wow. free arcade, but they have that duck bowling. It's the it's not full bowling at lanes. Uh-huh. It's like the itty bitty, you know, pins. I've and never played bars. it until this dude. Tree. <laughs> it was so fun. It was literally you just turn the corner and walk down the street, and it was wow. there. Uh, I think I think they have food. Uh, obviously, you know, at the bar because mm-hmm. Nashville, everything's a bar. Um, that was fun, and, but it was just. Uh, I mean, it was a whirlwind of a trip. I think I got a total of six hours of sleep the entire time I was there, <laughs> combined. Um, but it was just the weather was great. That always mm-hmm. helps. Yeah. Um, but yeah, seeing good people. I mean, you know, we we have some new clients in this space. So it was great to actually meet and have face-to-face time with them. Obviously it's always great to have face-to-face time with you and your team. Um, and my question, I was just going to ask you, how many, how many employees are there now? Are you, are you guys, you guys, it's still a small team. I know comparatively, wow. but where, where are we at now? Cause I noticed yeah. I was like, there's a lot more people in here. <laughs> there was a lot more people. Yeah. I, I want to say there was about 12 of us in Nashville. I okay. believe there's 14 of us in the U S or 14 of us that are the core, I should say, mm-hmm. and about another six to eight that are um, contractors that we hire on the promotion side. So we we have a we have kind of have different teams. We have the mm-hmm. the publishing team that you know works a lot with the with AdRev and and the the, the sister companies, and we have the distribution team, uh, and then we, we have the the PR team, which is the public uh, relations team, but they also do all the album releases, right. and then uh, and then we have a, a few other teams that we haven't even announced, but. The, so these teams kind of, we all work together, but we work separately and everyone has a lead. And it, it's kind of like, I think that the boom that, uh, that you guys have experienced at AdRib where, where we're figuring out what works best for us, because yeah. if we look at a traditional company, even though we are the LLC, we have legal and HR and all that stuff, but we don't want to function like a traditional company because mm-hmm. it doesn't work well with the music industry and with what we do. So we're trying to, you know, rethink that. And I have two great partners, by the way, I should mention um, Alex, our CEO and Diana, our CFO. And uh, with the three of us are, are just uh, managing the growth. It, it, you know, you can't let growth get away from you, but you also shouldn't stop it. So just figuring out how to, how to um, work that in. Um, it's, it's been a really fun challenge for us, but it, it doesn't stop being a challenge at times. Yeah. You're, whatever you're doing, it's working. So keep up the good work, my friends. Thank uh, you. Thank you. So, I mean, I don't want to interrupt if you, if I'll, I'll let this be the Henry show all day long. I'll rename the podcast to the Henry show, but I did want to, um, ask one question, the, 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 the soft news side of the segment here with, uh, I almost said Halloween. I get Halloween and Thanksgiving mixed up all the time with Thanksgiving coming up. Uh-huh. Um, I am curious to what everyone's favorite side dish for oh Thanksgiving God. is, or, I mean, I'll, I'll answer like my favorite pie. But okay. pies of the dessert. So what's the favorite side dish? Sorry to spring this on you. We didn't go over this prior. I'll go so. first, Henry. You can think Please. about it. Okay. Side dishes. Well, well, first thing, have you guys ever had Thanksgiving at somebody's houses? Someone's house that wasn't your own and you All see the time. A, you see a new side dish and you're like, I didn't expect you guys would make this. <laughs> I thought mac and cheese was just for the weekend. It's uh <laughs> But I've I've always you know as I've gotten older as I'm sure you two um, guys have experienced 
going to a friend's or, uh, or, or, or someone else's friend's house and, and you see new side dishes that you don't, you're not used to. I love stuffing. Um, mm. So good. So good. But I remember when my mom made it when I was younger and she would put chunks of apples in it that mm-hmm. I thought first was funky, but I grew to love it. And and then she would throw like bits of celery. Sometimes she'd throw raisins, all sorts of funky stuff. But uh, the raisins, I thought it was a little off the edge. But uh, but I'd say stuffing was in, bird, that in, was, in the bird in, or out the bird? In, in the bird. In the bird. Sorry, in the bird. Got to go old school. All right. All right. Henry, you got one? Oh, I do. Um, so one time I went to this house and I said, what's there? And they said, um, Applewood smoked bacon. Ooh. And delicious. I was like, man. I have a friend that says that, you know, if if you don't like bacon, you're probably not a human. You know, so that's <laughs> how you, you, you know when the drones have taken over. Um, so anyways, um, yeah, that was my favorite side dish ever. I had way too much of that. I, I got to tell you what, I don't eat breakfast, but I do love breakfast food. Mm. And I, so weird? I'm, I'm lazy and I, uh, I ordered Amazon fresh for my groceries yesterday and it's going to be here <laughs> right after the podcast. So I got this, uh, breakfast food kick and I'm like, I got eggs, I got pancake mix. I got, well, veggie sausage. Cause you know, I'm a vegetarian, but I will eat real bacon because that's <laughs> not real meat to yeah. me. Uh, <laughs> anyway, I love breakfast food. Uh, Nick, you stole mine. Dang Sorry. it! I was going to say stuffing, but That's I'll, I'll I add. First. I just, I just love putting gravy on everything. Mm. Yeah. And my newfound love is the cranberry sauce out of a can. It's basically like it looks like <laughs> the can, you know? Yeah, the it mold, looks like the, the can. Yeah. Look basically, Jello. I, I think it was last Thanksgiving. I took home a bunch of leftovers, and I took a lot of the the. It was already out of the can, so I just took it and I used it as jelly for like a week on my toast. <laughs> it started to get. Like it's a little too sweet and a little too tart. So like after the third day, I'm like, I can't do this anymore. Here's what you um, use that stuff for. Listen, the day, couple days after Thanksgiving, you make your sandwich with mm. meat from the bird. I know you don't like meat, Jesse, but That's meat from fine. the bird, little little spread of stuffing, and then a spread of that uh, cranberry sauce between yeah. two pieces of bread. The best. <laughs> the best. <laughs> But it's everything I will, you want in a sandwich. It's perfect. It sounds great, actually. I'd eat, I'd eat the heck out of that. Um, I will say, though, pumpkin pie is like my absolute favorite part of Thanksgiving. That's so amazing. much so, I don't really like cake. So when it's my birthday, I don't want anyone to make me or buy me a cake. I say, if you're going to get me anything, get me a <laughs> birthday pumpkin pie. And my birthday's in August when mm-hmm. when pumpkin's in real, really in season, you know. Um, <laughs> but I could literally sit down and eat the entire the entire pie by myself. I've done that before. And my friend, uh, my friend, Phil Sipka, if you're listening, his, I went to his family Thanksgiving and they have this great tradition where you weigh in before you eat. And if you want to participate in the third level, you, you weigh out again, you know, the next morning anyway. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, all right, great. Uh, thank you for those answers, Henry. Thank you so much for your time and for being our first guest. We hope it wasn't too torturous. Thank you. Uh, that was awesome. I, I'm happy. I mean, I know these things about you. I just, I would love for everyone else to know these things about you and your company. Uh, and if you have any questions, um, if you want to leave any contact info, or I mean, I don't, you know, I don't want all the tens sure. of people that listen to this to, to bombard <laughs> you with. <laughs> 
But yeah, I mean, you, you can just find us at Adarga Group anywhere, Instagram or uh, Facebook or Twitter, Perfect. whatever. And, and we'll, put, we'll put that in the description too for the podcast yeah. if you don't mind. Okay, great. Great, yeah, that just Adarga Group, adargagroup.com, and, and you can find us all right there. Awesome, Henry. Well, thanks Perfect. for your time, my friend. See you soon, I hope. And everyone else out there, enjoy your day, and we'll see you at the next episode.